Hey, this is Todd and Julie Mullen, senior pastors here at Christ Fellowship Church in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy week to join for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. I didn't plan to do this today, but can we just take a moment across all of our campuses right where you are? to raise your own hallelujah. I want you to take a moment and just thank God for his goodness in your life, just out loud or in your chair. Just thank God. God, you are so good to us. You are so good to us. Amen, amen. You can go ahead and grab a seat. Hey, I wanna welcome you across all of our campuses today. I'm so excited to jump into the Word of God together today. My name is Ryan. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. We're gonna need those in a moment. But we are talking about today just absolutely one of my favorite subjects. Today we are talking about gratitude. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm one of those guys who likes to advocate for Thanksgiving. Like I feel like it just gets missed. We kind of skip over it. We're into Christmas. And so I know I'm in the minority, I get it. But I happen to think this is really important. That you and I as followers of Jesus figure out how to practice gratitude. Because here's the truth, it does not come naturally to us. I actually believe that gratitude is a, is a discipline. It's something that has to be cultivated. And I actually believe that gratitude, it's really important for us. And I'm not the only one. Actually, science uh, backs me up on this one. There are a number of research studies and surveys that talk all about the importance of gratitude. But I, I wanna point you to just one. Actually, here's what psychologists did. They took a group of people and at the end of their week, they had these people, they wrote down a few sentences about their week. Now they broke them up into three different groups. The first group wrote about something that they were grateful for at the end of the week. The second group, they wrote about something that, that bothered them, something that irritated them, something negative about their week. And then the third group, they, they just told them about some, to write about something that impacted them. They didn't emphasize whether it should be positive or negative. Interestingly, at the end of just 10 weeks, 10 weeks, the people who wrote about gratitude reported feeling significantly happier, they were more optimistic, and they even had fewer illnesses and doctor's visits. There's something about gratitude. There's a number of studies that would suggest that people in relationships, if they express their gratitude to their partner, they overall feel more satisfaction in their relationships. And so here's the truth, gratitude is important for us. If we can figure out how to cultivate this discipline, there are emotional, spiritual, and even physical benefits to gratitude. Because here's the truth, as it turns out, we are not grateful because we are happy. We are happy because we are grateful. And so we have the opportunity, I believe, in this season and in every day of our lives to cultivate gratitude, not just because it's important for us, but I actually believe that gratitude is important to God. I don't know how often you get to open the pages of this book and read your Bible, but let me just share with you a few of the scriptures I could go on and on, but let me give you just three. Ephesians chapter five, verse 20 says it this way. Always give thanks to God the Father for, what? Everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians 5.18 says this. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 
I can't tell you how many conversations I have all the time where people are asking the question, what is God's will for my life? The Bible actually says that God's will for you in Christ Jesus is to give thanks in all circumstances. Why? I believe it's partly dependent on Psalm 100, verse four, which says it this way, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. So when we cultivate gratitude, when we practice thanksgiving, it literally brings us into the presence of God. It's how we are told to approach the throne of God with with gratitude and with thanksgiving for who he is and for what he's done. Uh, This is a definition for gratitude. I believe it's pretty simple. Gratitude is showing appreciation for what God has done. It's actually not a feeling, it's an action. Showing appreciation for what God has done. That's why we need to practice it. That's why we need to cultivate the discipline of gratitude. I wanna spend all of our time today in a story from the Gospel of Luke. And uh, it may not be a story that comes to mind when you think about gratitude, but I actually believe that God has a lot to show us in this scripture today. So Luke chapter 17, if you have your Bible, you can read from, if not, I brought mine, it's cool. So here's what it says. As Jesus continued toward Jerusalem, He reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, there were 10 men with leprosy who stood at a distance, crying out to him, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and he said, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went to the priest, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus's feet, thanking him for what he had done. Now this man was a Samaritan. And so Jesus asked him, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give God glory except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now, as we read this story of this miracle that Jesus performs in Luke chapter 11, there's a lot that we can learn. One, we should just take a moment and marvel at the power of Jesus, right? Like Jesus speaks a single word and these 10 people are instantly healed of their disease. And not just like, you know, the common cold. I mean, we're talking about leprosy. And and I know that many of you are familiar with what this disease is, but let's just take a moment and remind ourselves, leprosy is a terrible disease that actually causes sores and lesions to form on skin and ultimately the body just deteriorates. Now, we we can read this story and not really put ourselves in it because the truth is we don't see a ton of this in the US today, but this is still a problem in many parts of the world. In fact, just a few years ago, I led a team of young adults from our church to India. And one of the opportunities that we had, we had the beautiful privilege of spending time with people in a leper colony and serving them meals and ministering the gospel to them. And so there is very much still this issue of leprosy in the world today. But when we read this story, it's important to understand something about these men. 
Because at the time in which they lived, Jewish law dictated that certain things were clean and certain things were unclean. And there were a lot of rituals and procedures around things that were clean and things that were unclean. And so people with the disease of leprosy would be considered unclean. Now, it wasn't just a name or a label or an insult or something that people talked to them about. In fact, it, it actually meant that, that no one was allowed to touch them because if they were to touch them, then they too would be unclean. And, and so when the Bible records that these men stood at a distance from Jesus and from everyone else, there's a reason for that because people would actually avoid them. People would cross to the other side of the street. There were parts of the city that they were not allowed to go into. They actually could not go into the temple, the place where the presence of God dwelt because they were considered unclean. They stand at a distance from Jesus because they stand at a distance from everyone. So think about how isolating this disease is. Not only are they dealing with the physical reality of it, but I, I can't imagine what it must have felt like. The only people that they could hang out with were other lepers. That's why there were 10 of them gathered together. So just think about it for a moment. For however long they had this disease, no handshakes, no hugs, no physical embrace of any kind. They were isolated, they were cut off from everyone. And when they were seen in public, I mean, people would literally shout at them, unclean, unclean, and cross to the other side of the road, right? So when Jesus, when Jesus shows up and when he heals them of their diseases, I've got to imagine that they start screaming and shouting and singing because this, this disease that had been their reality for so long, this thing that cut them off from everyone around them, when Jesus speaks a word, it's instantly gone. And in that moment, I mean, if Jesus did that for you, wouldn't you be grateful? Well, wouldn't you be thankful that Jesus had performed this miracle on your behalf? Wouldn't you be grateful? Well, if this story is true, then here's the answer. Maybe. Maybe. We, we might be grateful. Because in this miracle moment when Jesus heals them of their leprosy, only one of the 10 returns to thank Jesus for what he's done. And part of the emphasis of the text is that it's actually the least likely person to give God the glory that returns to Jesus and thanks him for all that he's done. It makes me ask the question like, when God does something in my life, do I return to give him the glory that he deserves? It actually makes me wonder, <laughs> about our gratitude, because the truth is there, there are probably some things that get in the way of you and I being grateful. And so that's the question I wanna talk about today. What gets in the way of our gratitude? If gratitude is important for us, if gratitude is important to God, then it actually makes sense that there are some enemies of gratitude some things that Satan would wanna use in your life to keep you from giving God the glory that he deserves. 
So what are the enemies of gratitude? Here's one, distraction. Could it be that many of us are too distracted to give God the glory that he is due? And by distraction, what I mean is this, I can't see what I have. One of the enemies of gratitude is distraction. It can get in the way of us giving God the gratitude that that he deserves, right? Meaning, sometimes there are things in our lives and in our world that make make it difficult for us to show appreciation for all that God has done to us. For us, these 10 guys, they get healed. And and I wonder how many of them are simply distracted by the pull of their own lives, right? They're so quick to return to the busyness of their lives. They're so quick to get back to their calendars and their agendas and all the things that were involved in their former life. They're so quick to run back to the old life that they fail to praise God for what he's done. And I don't know about you, but I feel like that is often true of me. God does something in my life, however small or significant it may be. And the truth is that sometimes I'm just so distracted by the pull of my own life, my own calendar, my own agenda, my own busyness, that I am so distracted by those things that I forget to just fall on my knees like this man did and give Jesus the gratitude that he is due. And I wonder if one of the enemies that we are experiencing in our lives of our gratitude is that we are just simply too distracted to take the time to fall at the feet of Jesus and remember all that God has done in our lives. If you feel like sometimes you don't practice the discipline of gratitude, perhaps it is distraction that gets in the way. It's not the only enemy of gratitude, distraction. In fact, there are others. Here's the second one, discontentment. Discontentment. And by discontentment, what I mean is this. I'm actually not satisfied with what I have. I want you to take just a moment and think about how difficult it would be to be focused on what you do not have and simultaneously be grateful for what you do have. Just think about how difficult it would be to feel like you don't have enough and simultaneously be grateful for what God has put in your hands. The reality is those things cannot exist in the same space. And to be just maybe even a little more practical, here's what is impossible. It is impossible for complaining and gratitude to occupy the same space. It's impossible. And many of us, if we're honest, like it's, it's our language that we use because we are constantly complaining about our lives, about the things that we have, about the things that we don't have. And when we complain, it's impossible for gratitude to occupy that same space. Now, here's what I know. If you change your language, you change your perspective. So you may not feel, if you're honest, content with what you have. You may not feel content with your life, your relationships, your situation, but if you begin to speak as if you are, when you change your language, you change your perspective. And the truth is that we have so much in our lives to be grateful for. 
when Jesus heals these, these 10 men, I, I wonder how many of them think like, well, Jesus, you should have done that sooner. Like, why, why'd you make me wait so long, Jesus? If you, if you were gonna heal me anyway, like, I mean, you just do it in the, why did I even need leprosy in the first place? I, I wonder how many of them fail to give Jesus the gratitude that he's due because they're just discontent with how God worked in their lives or they're discontent with the timeline that God operated on. And we do the same things in our own life if we are honest. We're going like, Jesus, why didn't you do this for me sooner? Like, if you were gonna make a way, you could have done it earlier, Jesus. Or why did I even have to be in that situation in the first place? And if we're constantly consumed by discontentment, it's an enemy of gratitude. We will fail to fall at the feet of Jesus and recognize what he has done in our lives. Scripture constantly encourages us to be content in all situations and circumstances, right? I think of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament who despite all that he had been through in life, right? Beaten, shipwrecked, like uh, all the things, imprisoned, right? And, and he's going, man, I've found the secret. It's to be content in all situations, in all circumstances, to be content. When I look at the life of somebody like that, I go, man, I got nothing to complain about. In fact, even going back to that young adults trip that, that we took to India, man, when I get to be surrounded by God's people around the world and, and the Lord uses those moments to open our eyes to the reality of how people around the world live and what their experience is life, what their experience is like, it makes me remember, man, I got nothing to complain about. God, you've been good to them, you've been good to me, and I, Lord, wanna figure out how to be content in every circumstance. So these are just a few of the enemies of gratitude. Here's the third one, comparison. Now, just, just the sound that I just heard in this room, and I'm sure across all of our campuses, helps me to know, like, maybe this is the one for us, right? Maybe you don't struggle with distraction. Maybe you don't feel like you struggle with discontentment. But in reality, comparison is just an extension of being discontent. And here's what I mean. Comparison, the easiest definition is, I want what they have. I want what they have. It takes discontentment a step further because it's not just, I'm not satisfied with what I have. Actually, comparison is me looking around at the people around me and going, I would rather have what they have. I want what they have. Many people have said that comparison is the thief of joy. It will steal from you the life that God intends for you to live. And I actually think that this is one of the primary enemies of gratitude. Meaning I'm so focused on what other people have that it's hard for me to be grateful with what I have because I want what they have. I want their stuff, I want their relationships, I want their life, I wanna be like them. Comparison kills gratitude. I don't know how long these men in this story had to stand at a distance. The Bible does not tell us how long they lived a life with 
leprosy. I, I don't know how long they had to stand back and, and hope for a normal life, pray for a normal life. I don't know how long they were wondering and waiting, comparing themselves, wondering what it would be like to be somebody else. Imagine every single day, they're looking into the city, they're looking across the street and going, I wonder what it would be like to be them. Maybe, just maybe, if we can learn to be grateful for what we already have, then we will be ready for what comes next. Maybe it's not until we come to the point where we stop looking around and comparing ourselves to everybody else and we literally just focus on what's right in front of us. Maybe that's the moment where Jesus will show up and do the thing that we long for him to do. I think about the scripture in Hebrews, which talks about, you know, to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, right? And this verse doesn't talk about this specifically, but when I read that passage, I just think, you know what? When I'm looking to my left and when I'm looking to my right, you know where I'm not focused? On Jesus. If I'm constantly comparing my life to the people around me, you know where I'm not focused? On Jesus. And I think there's an opportunity for you and I to fix our eyes on Jesus and stop comparing ourselves to everyone around us. Maybe you feel like you don't have enough. Maybe you feel like someone else got more than you did. Maybe you feel like you long for someone else's experience or someone else's life. But can I just remind you today, no matter what you've walked through, no matter where you've been, God has been good to you. He is faithful. He's never left your side. He will never forsake you. He will never abandon you. He is with you. And thanks be to God that he actually knows better than we do. His timing is better than ours. And so don't waste your life away wishing that you had what somebody else did. Don't waste your life wondering what Jesus could have done if he showed up earlier or if he did this thing or asking all of those questions. Just choose to be grateful for what God has done in your life because if you do, it changes your perspective so quickly. I wonder how different our lives would be in just 10 weeks if we decided we were gonna focus on all that we have to be grateful for. These are the enemies of gratitude. Distraction, discontentment, comparison, and here's the fourth one, entitlement. I love you. <laughs> I love my church. <laughs> here's what I mean by entitlement. Let's get real. I deserve all that I have. And a lot of times, you know, we may not vocalize that. We may not say it that way, but man, if we search our hearts, Sometimes we feel that. We feel like we've earned what we have. Like we are owed something by God. We feel entitled for what we've done. Perhaps some of us struggle to show appreciation for what God has done because we feel we deserve it. When, when Jesus chooses to heal these 10 men, maybe some of them think, you know what? I was sick long enough. It's, it's about time Jesus healed me. God, you owe me this. Why should I be grateful? 
I deserve this healing. I deserve this freedom. I deserve this miracle. This is the life I should have gotten in the first place. I think sometimes in our own lives, we forget to be grateful because we feel like God owes us something. He owes us a good family, a good job. He owes you a car when you turn 16. Can I get an amen? He owes us that college degree or that great job and on and on and on. I wanna remind you today that your heavenly father is a good God who loves to give good gifts to his children. But let me be clear, it's not because we deserve them. It's because he loves us. You can't earn it. It's not an achievement. God doesn't owe us anything. And yet he chooses to pour out blessings and favor and gifts into our lives. Why? Not because of us, all because of him. He is a good father who longs to give good gifts to his children because he loves us. So gratitude says, I will never be worthy of all that God has done in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for everything, every good thing in my life, because it's all from you. So we spent a lot of time talking about the nine, right? The nine who failed to return to Jesus and give gratitude for all that he's done. But remember in this passage of scripture, there's one guy. Oh, that we would be like the one guy. That there's one guy who comes back to Jesus. Only one guy who starts praising God. Only one guy who thanks him for the miracle. Only one guy who comes and falls at his feet and, and worships him. Only one out of 10 shows appreciation for what God has done. Only one is grateful. Maybe the other guys were distracted or discontent. Maybe they, they felt entitled. Maybe they compared themselves. I, I don't know. But the reality is this, that while nine of them were ungrateful, there was one person who got it right. Here, here's what I need you to see. Gratitude is the very thing that gets you closer to God. Gratitude gets you closer to God. Nine men who were healed of their leprosy all went different directions. But the man who was grateful came to the feet of Jesus. Why? Because gratitude actually gets you closer to God. If we can practice it, cultivate it, discipline ourselves to be grateful, gratitude gets us closer to God. All 10 of these guys got the healing. All 10 of them were cleansed of their leprosy, but only one of them got Jesus. All 10 of these men got their healing, but only one got the healer. All of them received a miracle, but only one of them got a relationship because he returned in gratitude to the feet of Jesus, right? And in doing so, he gets closer to God. The nine, they actually settled. God had done a great work in their life, don't get me wrong, but they settled. God had more for them. The man who returns and falls at the feet of Jesus, he got the real gift because he got Jesus. And God wants to do good things in our lives. Don't get me wrong. Like God wants to perform a miracle in your life, but beyond the healing, listen to me, beyond the miracle, God's gift to you is himself. That, that you can actually be in God's presence, that you can come close. And if you don't believe me, let's look at this story. Let's remind ourselves of what 
these men experienced in their lives. Don't forget, they used to stand at a distance from everyone. They, they used to stand at a distance even from Jesus. But now, don't miss it, Jesus has made a way for them to boldly come into his presence. While they were far from God, don't miss it, Jesus invites them to come in close. This is not just a story about leprosy. This is a story about what God wants to do in your life and in my life. Remember, the gift is not the miracle, the gift is not the healing, the gift is the relationship. Because, oh, by the way, they actually believed that leprosy was a direct result of sin. That it was essentially an outward manifestation of sin. And Jesus heals them of the thing that causes them to stand at a distance and he invites them to come in close. So while you and I may not have lesions on our skin today, here's the reality. We used to stand at a distance from God. We used to be separated from him and from everyone else. But in Jesus, God invites us to come close. In Jesus, God has made a way for you and I to be in his presence. Jesus came to this earth. He set aside the rights and privileges of heaven. He came to this place, why? To ultimately give his life for you on a cross. And when he did that, when he died the death that he did not deserve, in that moment, you and I have the opportunity to receive our healing. You and I have the opportunity to solve the sin problem in our lives, which keeps us at a distance from God. And in Jesus, when you come into relationship with him, now you can come close to God. You've been invited in. You don't have to stand at a distance anymore, but Jesus made a way for you to be in right relationship with God. This, this story is about you and me. It's about the greater work that God wants to do in your life. You can have a relationship with the God of the universe. You, you can have a relationship with Jesus. You can fall at his feet and worship Jesus. And it's not just that he wants to solve our, our physical problems. It's not just that he wants to solve our emotional problems. He can do all of that. But Jesus wants to solve the biggest problem in our lives, which is that because of our sin, we're separated from God. But in Jesus, we're invited close. I think this is such a beautiful, Beautiful story, because it, it causes us to ask a few questions. One, one question would be this, do I give God the gratitude that he is due? Today, whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're not, maybe you're here for the very first time, I think this is a question that we need to ask all of ourselves, especially this week. Do I give God the gratitude that he is due? Do I thank him? for all the good things that he's done in my life. Do, do I thank him in every trial, in every situation, in every circumstance? Are we constantly thanking God for who he is and what he's done? Do I give God the gratitude he's due? Because if I can figure this out, my gratitude will get me closer to God. And so today, I just wanna ask you a couple of questions. One, one would be this. Do you still stand at a distance from God and from everyone else because there's a sin problem in our lives? Have you ever 
stepped into the relationship with God through the sacrifice of his son Jesus because that's the work that he wants to do in your life today. Some of you have walked onto our campuses today and if you're honest, you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus. But today is the day where salvation can be experienced, where you can receive freedom, where you can receive forgiveness for your sin. How? Just by coming close to Jesus because his sacrifice on the cross was enough for you and I to be in right relationship with God. Today is the day of salvation. But if you're a follower of Jesus, do you give God, do I give God the gratitude that he's due? And what if this week we just made a decision that no matter what comes our way, no matter what we experience, we are gonna give God the glory and the gratitude that he deserves. I believe our lives would change. I believe our lives would change. I wanna invite you across all of our campuses to pray with me today. The first prayer is for anyone who doesn't have that relationship with God through Jesus. Today is the day. In fact, if you're at one of our campuses today or you're watching online right now and you don't have that relationship, but you want one, this is your moment. I would invite you just raise a hand towards heaven. Just say, I, I don't have a relationship with God through Jesus, but I want Jesus, I wanna come close. I want forgiveness for my sins. I want life everlasting. If that's you today, just a hand up right now. And I wanna lead you in a prayer and we're all gonna say this prayer together, but you're gonna say it just a little bit louder than everyone else. Just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Make me new again. And for the rest of my days, as best as I know how, I will live to honor you. And for all of us in this room, if you wanna make a decision, you're a follower of Jesus, but you today wanna decide to be grateful. Maybe you've experienced some conviction because you're thinking about how you're distracted or you're discontent or you compare your life to others or you're entitled, but today you go, I wanna cultivate gratitude in my life. I want you to just lift a hand towards heaven right now so I can pray for you. God, would you help us as followers of Jesus to be thankful for every good and perfect gift in our lives? Would you help us to cultivate this discipline of gratitude. God, would you help us change our language so we can change our perspective? But God, would you help us, God, just to fall at your feet and to worship you for everything that you've done. God, it's all from you, it's all for you, and we will thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to those of you who generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's because of you that everything that we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.